Uh, okay, so we finished up, last week we finished up our walk through uh, Micah 6 there. You know, we looked at uh, seeking justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with your God, and what those... Um, uh, what all that entails. And if you missed any of those, you can go back on our Facebook. You can go to our YouTube page uh, and stuff like that and take a look at those as well as the uh, the podcast uh, as well, which we post on our on our Facebook uh, page. So if you are like, oh, I wonder what he had to say about that stuff, you can go back and look there. Today, on the other hand, um, we are going to take a look at something that is um, very near and dear to my own heart. Um, we're going to look at, and I did not come up with the title for this. This is what this passage of scripture is titled in my Bible. And I went, I like it. We're going to talk about the cure for anxiety. How many of you in here would say, yeah, I'm an anxious person? Now, how many of you in here didn't put your hand up because you're an anxious person and didn't want to put your hand up because of it? No, no, no. <laughs> I get it. I've been, I'm an anxious person as well. I worry. Uh, I don't get nervous about things, right? It's not a nervousness. Like, people are like, you don't get nervous up there on a Sunday morning? And I'm like, no. The only time I get nervous is if I'm unprepared, and that's my fault, not anybody else's, right? I've done stuff, I'm not trying to brag, but I've done stuff in front of thousands of people before. If you are prepared, there's no need to be nervous. But I do worry. I get anxious. I stress. I carry around, how many of you are essential oil type of people in here? That's good. Those of you that are not are probably going to hell. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Not at all. I carry around on me a bottle of peace and calming at all times for two reasons. One, I, I, I'm like a drug addict. I just, mm, that's a good smell. I like the smell of it. It's got citrus in there and a couple other things. I like it. Secondly, because I'm an angry, worry, anxious person, and so multiple times a day I just whip that out, dab it on the wrists keep going. Maybe it's part placebo effect. I don't care. I like it. It works for me. Right? But the fact of the matter is that I'm an anxious person. And the fact of the matter is I'm an anxious person for one major reason. And it's the same reason all of you are anxious people too. You want to be in control. Just like me. And quite frankly, most things in life we're not in control of. And that's what Jesus kind of talks about here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. We like to be in control of situations. We like to make sure, right, he's going to talk about the birds and the, and the flowers and all that kind of stuff. And we're, and we're, so, fed, we're so caught up and we've got to control this and control that and take care of this. And God goes, or you can let me do it since I'm in control anyway. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It reads like this. For this reason, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's take a look at this. Number one on your note sheets. Number one, God takes care. God takes care. And yes, there's two blanks there. It takes care. Here's the question. What is more important? Food, clothing, that sort of thing. Or seeking God first and his righteousness. Now, here's the thing. I'm not denying that we need food. I'm not denying that we need sleep. I'm not denying we need air and water and, and stuff like that. I'm not denying that God literally created us to be in need of things, right? And I'm not saying that you should go, well, I'm not going to go grocery shopping this week. God will take care of me. Maybe he will. I'm not saying he won't. But God did not call us to be dumb. He did call us to be wise, okay? Jesus is not saying here, don't work, don't try, don't go to the grocery store, right? Don't be wise with your resources. What he is saying is, do you trust me enough to take care of your needs? Now, sometimes that taking care of is the idea that he's just going to provide for you, i.e. the Israelites when they ate manna, right? That's one of my favorite stories. One of the reasons is because there was only one day they were allowed to gather more than one day's worth. The day before the Sabbath. That's it. Every other time they were commanded only to get as much as they needed for that day because it would spoil and go rotten immediately. Why? God was asking them to trust him that he would provide manna every day. God is asking you, will you trust me? Sometimes that providing for means you've got a job that gives you a paycheck so that you can go to the grocery store, right? Sometimes it's, do you trust me? This isn't a, a need necessarily, right? As a kid, you think it's a need. There was a Christmas one year uh, before Annette came along. And um, we were living in a trailer out on, on Old Route 11. And um, it was just dad, the four kids, and we really didn't have Christmas that year. There, there just wasn't, my dad was a single dad working at a local hospital. There wasn't money for, for Christmas that year. And we woke up one morning with just a bag for each kid on our doorstep. Now, my dad has asked people, did they give this stuff? And unless they are lying to him, they all told him no. Didn't come from Toys for Tots, anything like that. Are Christmas gifts for four kids a need? No, they're not. But God met it nonetheless. There's been multiple times in my life and other people's lives that I know that there's not been money for things, there's not been food, and miraculously, there just is. You know when that's never happened? When somebody was not trusting God to make it happen. What is more important? The other thing we read about here, and I love this idea that we read in this passage of Scripture. 
He says the birds of the air and then the grass of the fields, right? The lilies. And the, the birds of the air have enough to eat. And the lilies are clothed even more splendidly than Solomon was. And then he says, how much more is God going to take care of you? Church, you and I are his most beloved creation. There is nothing else, no other created being that has a soul, just you and me. Everything else will pass and cease. You and I have a soul. I'm just counting angels and stuff, right? They don't have a soul, but they also don't cease. They're, it's different. But we're beloved more than angels. Scripture says that the angels, there's a secret that we have, a mystery we have, that the angels will never know, and it's the mystery of grace. Jesus didn't die for an angel. He died for you and me. You and I are his most beloved creation. And if he loved us enough to send his son to die, do you think he's going to forget that you need food or something like that? God provides for us. I'm not telling you you should sit back and not work at all, right? I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that when God gives you an opportunity, right, he gives you an opportunity to have a job. You take the job, you're working, but it's not going to be enough. Do you trust him to make up the difference in what you need? Or, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Sometimes God says, you think you need that. I've got a different plan. Do you trust my plan? Do you trust what I've got going on? You might be hungry sometimes. Money will be tight. This or that, the other thing, right, will happen. Do you trust me to follow my plan or not? Do you trust God will take care of you? Anxiety comes because we don't trust God's going to take care of us. I'm anxious because I don't trust that the creator, creator, sustainer, omnipotent ruler of the universe can't take care of me. He's not in control of the situation, or so I tell myself. Number two on your note sheets. Number two. Seek First, seek first. Verse 33 is a verse that many people, many Christians memorize, right? They pull it right out from this whole passage of scripture and go, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, that's a great verse. It's similar to Philippians, right? Uh, um, um, what? Yes, thank you very much. Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great verse. When you take it out of its context, boy, you could do anything. When you take this verse out of its context, I can say, all these things will be added unto me, and those things happen to be everything that I want. It's not what he's referring to in Philippians. I've preached many messages on that. It's not what he's referring to here. The things that will be added unto you are the things you need. Now you might get some things you want. I'm not here going, listen, if you get something you want, you should immediately turn around and give it away. Right? We're not, uh, there are sects of Christianity that believe you should not have anything in surplus or anything like that. Right? I'm not like that. I have a TV. Got a PlayStation. I like them both. I used them yesterday. It's great. I will use my TV to watch football. It will happen. It's good. 
I'm not asking anybody to give that stuff up. I am saying, though, that if we're going, boy, if I seek God, he's going to give me everything I want. You're in the wrong business. You'll have everything you need if you are seeking after him. This can be a real struggle, but I'm very thankful that I was raised by two parents who worked to instill this idea in me. If you feel God is calling you to do something, do it. And trust God to let the pieces fall where they may. Right? Trust God to let the pieces fall where they may. Charles Stanley, who's one of my favorite, he's a pastor down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he's one of my favorite pastors to, to read, to listen to, and stuff like that. The study the men are doing is written by him. Excuse me. And stuff. He has a saying, and it's a saying that I try to live my life by at this point. He's got a bunch of them, but I particularly like this one. Do the right thing, leave the consequences up to God. Do the right thing, leave the consequences up to God. It's the same sentiment that you see here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and God takes care of you. Do the right thing, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and leave everything else up to God. That's really hard for us to do because oftentimes seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness means an empty wallet. Means less food for you because you've got to go help somebody. It means, and I, and I, I don't want to brag because this is not a bragging thing. Today, Louie and, and Maddie and I will be going over to the uh, uh, Susquehanna County Correctional Facility. We'll be there around 4.30 or 4.45, right around that time frame. The Philadelphia Eagles are playing the NFC Championship game today. One win away from the Super Bowl. One win away from me having green hair for the next couple of weeks. So you all should be rooting for the Eagles today. I will watch roughly the first quarter and then leave and not know what happens Till I'm out of the prison. Because I can't have my phone in there with me. Or anything like that. You might say, Pastor Sam, that's not seeking first his kingdom. Yes, it is. It is for me. I like watching my eagles play football. But what's more important, ministering to some inmates? Or watching a game the eagles might lose? Right, we're all given opportunities like that. We're all given opportunities to seek first his kingdom. It does mean, and I don't know if I wrote this down there. I don't think I did. I did not. So you should write it down. It will cost you something to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It might be money. It might be your time. It might be your enjoyment of something. It will be your energy. Seeking first his kingdom will always cost you something, and much of the time, I won't say most, much of the time will cost you greatly. It will cost you greatly. Today does not cost me greatly. I just want to point that out. There have been times in my life when it has, just as I'm sure there have been times in your life when it has. But seeking first his kingdom will cost you greatly but it means you are on God's side. And there's no better place to be. Then Jesus hits this, this ending thing. He hits you with one more, just little slap in the face. 
in verse 34. And maybe this is a verse we should memorize more often. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Many of us struggle with what tomorrow will bring. Many of us struggle with what next week, month, year. Keep going out. We think so much about the future. Church, God very rarely calls you to think about the future. He just doesn't. He's got that already in control. He's asking you to do the very next thing. He's not asking you to worry about the next thing. He's asking you to do it. All this boils down to, I don't trust God enough to let him have control over each and every aspect of my life. That's what it boils down to. Do I trust him enough to make sure my needs will be met? Do I trust him enough to make sure he's got the plan? Do I trust him for my future? Do I trust him? Trust is not holding on to his hand but making him drag you. That's not trust. We like to think that it is. I'm holding on tight to Jesus. I'm just along for the ride. Jesus isn't asking you to be along for the ride. He's, asking you, he's not asking you to drive. Right? But that's like, that's like on our honeymoon. My wife had never been in a car for longer than like two and a half, three hours. That's nothing. I've been in a car for like 20 plus hours straight before. You get out to use the bathroom and you get back in the car and you keep going. It's fun. I enjoy it. I understand that many people do not. We went to, um, out to, I can't ever remember. I know, but I can't remember what state it's in. Thank you. Thank you. We went to the, my brain went Kentucky, and I went, no, we did not go to Kentucky. Um, uh, we went to, to, to Ohio, to the Creation Museum um, and the Ark. It was great. If you ever get a chance to go see the Ark, the Creation Museum is eh. The Ark is awesome. It's, it, that's really cool. But either way. Um, so when we went out, we split it in half. So that it was like four and a half hours and then, like, and then a couple hours and stuff like that, right? Because she had never been that far. Also, we got married. We left here at like four o'clock. And I was like, let's just go straight through. And Maddie begged me not to. So I said, fine. It's about nine hours for, for, for idea. But coming back, we went nine hours. I said, we'll leave at nine o'clock in the morning. We'll get back, you know, in the, in the evening here. It'll be great. My poor wife, God bless her, did it. But not willingly. She agreed it was the better plan, but she didn't really like it. She didn't make it hard for me, but um, she was not the willing passenger. She was a passenger. Too often, we're like that with God. God, I'm a passenger, but I'm not willing. I'm going, but I don't like it. That's not trusting God. It's not. Trusting God is, right, if you've never been in a long car ride, right, so you've got the driver. Their goal is to drive. Whatever they need, and I was the driver, right, because I like to drive, um, 
and and uh, I enjoy doing it. Whatever I need to stay awake, that's what needs to happen, right? Now, I was very kind to my wife. We did not listen to sports talk radio once the entire honeymoon, okay? I was very kind. I said, I will not force you to sit in the car with me and listen to me yell at the guy on the radio that can't hear me because he said something I think is stupid. The passenger's job is to command the aux cable, but make sure it's the right things that, uh, do the music, to make sure it's the right things that the driver wants. To open water bottles, to open packages of food, and, as my wife learned, to fall asleep for hours at a time and make me open the water bottles, open the food. No. <laughs> right? I'm not bashing Maddie here. She was a great passenger. She truly was. But too often, we're like, I don't want to do this, God. It's okay if you don't want to do something. Right? We all have to do things we don't want to do. But going, God, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to complain the whole time I'm going to do it. It's not trusting God. It's just not. Going, God, I don't want to do this, but I'm trusting you. Let's go. That's trusting God. So let's, let's wrap it up. Let's apply it. I told mom we'd be done by 1030 today, so we're doing all right. Let's apply it. In who or what do you place your trust? In who or what do you place your trust? You, right, we, a bunch of us put our hands up that we're anxious people. We deal with worry, with stuff like that, right? The first thing to curing that is checking where is your trust. If it is in yourself, wrong. If it is in your money, wrong. If it is in your family, friends, coworkers, anything like that, wrong. All of it will let you down. Not every single time, but quite often. If you put your trust in any created thing, you will always be an anxious person. Always. It does not matter what you do, right? It doesn't matter if you're an essential oil person and you carry this stuff around. It doesn't matter if you prefer something else that's natural but is a little bit more leafy than this. Some of you got it. Marijuana, right? It's got a J, right? It's like tortilla. Tortilla. I'm I'm aware how to speak it, Nathan. It's marriage. I almost said marijuana again. <laughs> it's like knigget. Why put a K in there if you're not going to say it, right? Knight knigget. K-N-I-G-H-T, knigget, or a knife, a knee, you know, whatever. All of you are going, should we vote today to out him? Boy, surprise vote, let's get, no. <laughs> right, whether it's meditation, yoga, therapy, all of that stuff, and I'm not bashing any of that stuff, except you probably shouldn't be smoking marijuana, right? But, I'm not bashing the human stuff we do to help with stress, with worry, with anxiety. Some of that stuff is really good. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't go to therapy to work through things. Not at all. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I carry around peace and calming with me. I'm not saying you shouldn't do the created things to help us deal with stress and anxiety and stuff like that. I am saying that they are useless unless your trust is placed in the one who is in control. That's the only thing that matters. Not right now. Not right now. Because <laughs> I, I need to wrap us up. That's what matters. The extra stuff is excellent stuff. It's useless without the one. It just is. Where are you placing your trust? Ask God, where are you placing your trust? Lastly, I try to give you a practical one, right? I, that was my New Year's resolution, and I think I'm doing good so far. I think I've done one every single week since New Year's. There's one. There's one. There's one. Cool. We're, we're doing good so far. We made it through January. Okay. Practical. Memorize Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We read those verses today, right? We read those verses today. Um, oh, those are my maps. 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, whether it's small or massive, go talk to God about it with thanksgiving. And you might go, Pastor, I don't have anything to thank God about. I'm so anxious. Life is so hard. Yes, you do. First off, you have, you have the fact that he just is God. We talked about that a little last week. The fact of the matter is that if, God had ne if Jesus had never come, right, if God was only the just, wrathful um, God, he would still be worthy of your praise because he is God. That's the only reason he needs. Now, he's given a multitude of others, but that's the only reason. So if you're ever in a place where you're like, I just don't know how to thank God. I don't know how to come with thanksgiving. Just start by praising him that he is God. Start there. And then secondly, you can praise Jesus. Because no matter how bad this life gets, you have a great high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. And that's an incredible privilege. An incredible thing. Memorize those couple of verses. And then, when you get anxious, because here's the thing, you will. I'm not up here going to go, listen, if you get anxious, you're a sinner. Nope. I understand. We all are there at points. There are things in our lives that make us anxious. Right? There are things in our lives that will make us anxious. Turn around. Start quoting scripture back at it. And go to God with it. And then here's the important thing. I didn't write this one down. But I'll finish with this. You need to lay it at the altar, at the foot of the cross, whatever terminology you'd like to use for that. It's all the same idea. And here is the very, very important thing that people don't talk about nearly enough. Leave it. Don't pick it back up. Leave it there. Walk away from it. It doesn't help if I go, all right, God, I'm laying this at the foot of the cross. Thank you, God. Let's go. That doesn't help you. You got to let it go. Leave it there. That's very difficult. 
I'm not up here going, it's easy. There are some things you have to lay at the foot of the cross daily, right? There are things in my life that every day I have to wake up and go, God, I'm laying this at at the foot of the cross because if I don't, I'm going to carry it with me. There are some things I have to do it multiple times a day. When it comes back, when I start to pick it back up, I'm going to go, no, I got to lay that down. We're anxious, we worry, because we want to be in control. And I understand, I'm a controlling person. I like to be in control of things. It's one of the reasons I like to be the driver. Because then I'm the one in control of the car. I get it. But we've got to let it go. You've got to give it to God and let Him be the one in control. And then and only then will these things be added unto you. And it's such a freeing nature to know God's got me and he's got this. Would you pray with me? Father, many of us in here or are listening, I won't say all, but most at least, struggle with anxiety and worry and stress. We just do. It's part of the human condition. But it's not the way you created us to be. And I thank you that we can lay things at the foot of the cross. We can take them to you and say, God, I want to be in control, but I'm giving the control over to you. You hold this, because I can't. Father, help us when we're in these moments of worry, of anxiety, of stress, to seek first your kingdom, to not be anxious to turn them over to you, to go to you in prayer and talk to you about it. We don't have to do these and thous and be all holy and proper, just talk to you about them and turn them over to you. Father, we praise you. We love you. We pray your blessing on our week. We pray your blessing on our service, on our, our, not our service, our uh, meeting. And Father, it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen and amen.